What's up, peers? And I welcome you to join the Wasabikas. My name is Max Hillebrand, and I'm eager to start this conversation today with the one and only Nicholas Doyer. He might be the biggest Microsoft fanboy <laughs> that you have heard about. Uh, he loves the company and the productivity tools that they release. Um, and uh, of course, is at the forefront uh, of uh, contributing to free software projects all over the place uh, in, in the Bitcoin ecosystem. Uh, he has worked on nBitcoin, a very powerful uh, Bitcoin library in C Sharp and .NET. Uh, he has contributed to Tumblebit, one of the early privacy-focused uh, Bitcoin wallets. And he was a, a huge, monumental influence on Opara and Fiscor in developing back then hidden wallet, what is now to be known as Wasabi Wallet. Uh, and of course, Nicholas uh, made uh, BitPay absolutely obsolete um, by him uh, developing the one and only BTC Pay Server, a phenomenal tool for people to get paid in Bitcoin, uh, some, a tool that I use personally for quite a long time and that I can very much recommend everyone to look into. But without any further ado, here is that golden content with Nicolas Torier here at Join the Wasabikas, a Bitcoin privacy podcast. So, Nicholas, welcome on the show. How are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks a lot. So, yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it as well. Um, you know, to get this to get this going, I was always for such a long time wondering um, why are, are you and some of the contributors to BTC Pay to Wasabi and all these areas? Why are you such big Microsoft fanboys? It's it's incredible, but it seems you really really love the company and the software that they're working on. Why is that? We follow the path of Satoshi. Uh, no, actually, it's just like <laughs> uh, where, where Windows has very good uh, tools available for developers, and my productivity is way up by using their tools. You know, like what I don't like in Linux very often is that you pass as much time configuring configuring your stuff than getting things done, and uh, like Visual Studio is such an amazing productive environments. So uh, as far as C Sharp is concerned, uh, I tried this, uh, I tried Rider from, from JetBrain, which is very, very great. I think it's even better for Visual Studio. If you, if you never use Visual Studio or, or never use the, uh, yeah, Visual Studio on, on, on Windows, I advise, and you want to do some C Sharp development, I advise you Rider. Because Rider run anywhere and it's as good, but on my side, like I'm like it's like so I don't know twenty fifteen years of development uh, on the on, on the same IDE, and my muscles are kind of hooked by by this, and it's very hard to make any switch. It's uh, I tried many different tools, but I, nothing reached the productivity I get out of Visual Studio. Yeah, and that's a really good approach, right? To, uh, to say, hey, I want to be as productive as possible. Now, what's the proper tool for me to use here? Uh, and yeah, when you, when you look at it from that light, maybe uh, Linux is not going to be the right choice. <laughs> uh, but uh, nevertheless. Yeah, I try, I try several times to, 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 to pass on Linux and Mac actually. And every single time I was, it was so, so much time lost on things that are not really matter to me so that's why i always come back to windows and right now windows actually has a windows subsystem for linux so if you just want linux command line then you just have it so you can do whatever you want on it 
Yeah, that's that's so interesting, right? Microsoft in its early days. Um, how would you describe like the the original Microsoft? What was kind of their ethos? And were you already a fanboy of Microsoft back then? Yeah, so I, I was pretty much fanboy for forever of Microsoft. I, I my my first programming language was C and C plus uh, plus. And uh, one day I I go to a library and I pick the wrong book. The book was called C sharp, and I thought it was a C plus plus book. And uh, when, when when I tried to use it, I say, "Oh my God, it's so easier! It's so productive!" Like I discovered step by step debugging. I was so crazy, and like from from this time, I never looked back. And um, I was always on the Microsoft, and never dipped my toes into Linux world until I I started working on Bitcoin. And uh, I before it was more harder than it is now because now Microsoft have kind of Make the, the gap very small, so you can use, for example, Docker or a web uh, or Windows subsystem for Linux. So you can easily go back and forth between both. Even if you are on Windows, it's way better than it was before. But yeah, I I, did, I really start using Linux uh, for for some server stuff when I I discover a bit after I discovered Bitcoin. Yeah, right. Uh, so I'm I'm still the curious. Microsoft in the early days was well very pro proprietary software and rather against free and open source software um back in in the days when you got started with all this did you already look at it from that point of view or didn't did you not even care or consciously think about that microsoft was more on the closed source side uh, on the on the which side you said uh, on on closed source proprietary software oh so uh, yeah, i i had no no idea you know i didn't know anything else it's not like i was looking you know a lot of open source software uh it's i don't know it it, it was not a, even on my radar i never asked this question like uh, it's open source software beca became way more important to me from the day i i discovered bitcoin but before like i i gave really no thoughts about it and i think like microsoft uh was very closed source uh proprietary and like there has been a dark age where lots of what they were doing in the development world were, go were going to shit and they started getting beaten quite hard by open source. And I'm glad that at this time there has been this change of leadership between Balmer and, and uh, Satya right now. And uh, Satya really changed, uh, you know, changed the course of the company for the good. And uh, I'm, I'm way more happy about Microsoft I am now than I was before. Uh -huh, that's interesting. So you were already liking Microsoft kind of because it was the only really well-known option to you, but also that it just worked, right? It, it got the problems, like it fixed the problems. It got the stuff done that you needed to get done. Um, and then only later realizing, oh, this free software thing is kind of a cool thing. Right? Yeah, but like before GitHub, you know, like open source development were not very uh, easy to get into. You know, mm -hmm. SVN, you had like a what I was using a team at team foundation. It, it was a, it was a, the source code control of Microsoft. There was SVN, like it was a bit fragmented and there was not really great, uh, code hosting solution and a way of collaborating as easy as it is now. So open source was way, way less important at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, Webner was actually that switch that Microsoft got more interested in uh, uh, in free software because that might roughly be the same time that you got into Bitcoin and also interested into free software. I think I think that uh, free software start winning uh, from the time that GitHub uh, has been created. I think GitHub is one of the main driver of open source. Uh, before it was way too fragmented and. Uh, yeah, I, I, so I was more into open source, like I said, from, from, from two angles. There was one part Microsoft was starting to make the switch. And exactly at the same time when I was coding on, on, you know, discovering what Bitcoin is, I was starting reading, you know, the source code of Bitcoin and just like trying to compile the source code. I needed a Linux machine. So I needed to learn all this stuff. So it was really at the same time that both uh yeah both both trend came came in and like make made made me way better uh with linux uh-huh yeah so uh, you said maybe uh or earlier that you kind of followed satoshi's original vision uh because the first release of bitcoin uh well no bitcoin core but then back just back uh, bitcoin was only a windows exit binary right um, yep. but, but now you say that if you wanted to compile the source code, you actually do need Linux and you cannot compile the source code on Windows, at least uh, back no, in the days? No, no, not anymore. So, uh, for a long time, it was, so uh, first it was Windows only. Then it was Linux for a long time. Like when I discovered Bitcoin, it was Linux. And, uh, there, there, there is a developer that did lots of effort to to try to compile it in on Windows. It's a six sorcery. It's a it's a contributor, and um, now you you can compile Bitcoin Core from Windows directly with Visual Studio uh, very very easily, and I, I really like it. I don't contribute that much more that much to Bitcoin Core anymore. But if you need to, then it's very easy to make breakpoint break and have. A, all the ease of use that you are used to on on Visual Studio, but coding on Bitcoin Core. When I started trying to to de to debug things on Bitcoin Core, what I was doing is uh, is I was developing on Windows with a kind of broken uh, Visual Studio integration, and then I was building inside of Docker and running my code there. And if for debugging it was like a GDB by command line and very painful. Well, when you get used to it, it's okay, but even if you get used to it, it's impossible that you get the same level of, of uh, productivity than you have with Visual Studio. Lots of people say, okay, you, you just have to know the shortcut and the command line, but Visual Studio also has shortcut and, and, uh, and, and some terminal to, to, to do things. So it's a, I think it's just more productive environment, at least for me. Yeah, I mean, the command line is super powerful, right? You can do basically anything that you want or anything that's possible in the software. Um, but, uh, and I, I personally like, for example, the use of aliases. Uh, so you have a very long and complex command that you run all the time. I'll just create an alias for it. And by typing in a couple letters, now this very long command actually executes. Um, but I assume that, uh, that, you know, Visual Studio. Well, like, mm -hmm. even, even this is not as good as Visual Studio because even if your alias is, for example, one letter, then you have to press one letter plus enter. You know, it, it means you need two keystroke. With Visual Studio, you just configure a keyboard shortcut. You have one keystroke. So it's, uh, even this, I, I think it's not as much produ uh, like productive as Visual Studio it, when you, when you master all those, uh, shortcuts. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and let- there, there is also another thing that I don't like with uh, Alias, is that uh, you, in reality, it's the, it's good when you are developing on your own machine and you can put you know any customization that you want. But it very hope it very often happens that you don't debug on your machine. So, for example, you might debug on a on a remote server, or you might debug on on some uh, from inside the Docker container. Uh, and in this case, you don't have access to your alias. So it means that at one point you stop relying on it, and you're back to square mm. one. So I don't really like this. So uh, with Visual Studio, I just use Visual Studio with a default command. So I'm sure that when whenever I move, I can, I'm productive right away. Yeah, that's great. Uh, really good to hear then. Um, well, and you see, uh, productivity really is is the important thing. Um, and it seems that you have quite a lot of experience with with Visual Studio. Uh, and of course, then, you know, you know the tool and you can actually use it. What were you actually working on or developing uh, before you discovered Bitcoin? What was your main area? Uh, so it was, I, I was a Microsoft certified trainer. So I, I passed lots of Microsoft certifications by passing uh, some professional exams. So lots of them, I don't know, maybe between 10 and 20 different exams I, I took it. It was really a lot. And uh, I got enough to become a trainer. So uh, when I was in France, I was uh, going to like a training se- uh, Like I-, I was collaborating with training center and I was going to bi- to businesses to teach them o- o- how to use Bitcoin. It was, I-, I don't know how it is in other countries, but in France, the state is obliging their company to spend a portion of their profits to train their employees, right? And it has an interesting implication that the businesses don't give a shit about the expenses because they need to spend it anyway because of the law. So it means that being a trainer in France was very profitable because like the company are really unsensitized uh, not, not, not at all about the, the, the costs. Uh, sadly, most of it was not in, pi- in my pocket, but in the pocket of the training center that have a special license. But still, <laughs> like your, I was very, I, I was very near from from this, uh, from the source. So it's uh, it it was quite cool and very profitable uh, thanks to regulations. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I see. Uh, and what what did you teach there specifically? Just how to code in .NET. Yeah, like .NET is really a big ecosystem. There is lots of different technology like uh, WPF, ASP.NET, uh, all the clouds, uh, Azure services like WinForm. Like there, there is lots of different technology like this, and all of them, you, 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 it takes a while to learn, and then you, you, you can pass an exam, and then you can teach it as well as well when you have a, a number of them. Mm-hmm, I see. Um, and uh, but you discovered Bitcoin already while working uh, in on that consultancy teaching uh, level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, like, being a trainer was not really time consuming. So the way it was working, it's really like uh, somebody call you, uh, like the training center call you, then you have one week, one week of training at some place in France. Uh, you, you, you make your money, then you come back home and then maybe for one month you have nothing. So like, 
it was it was not very time consuming so it means that i i, I got enough time to, for discover discovery and i i found out bitcoin during this time mm -hmm. i see very nice uh, did one of your clients uh or students uh, actually notify you about bitcoin or no, no. So actually, I actually when I started discovering Bitcoin, I started talking about it during my trainings. Uh, but uh, no, it 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 was just about uh, when the MTGOX crash happened, and uh, what I was curious about why people were putting so much money into what I thought was a startup money, and I thought the startup was done, but I was wondering why it was not dead. Like when <laughs> I was going on Bitcoin talk, normally when you get scammed, people are very uh, angry and, and ask for somebody to go in jail. But for Bitcoin case, even people who lost uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars were like uh, still stacking Bitcoins, you know, they, they were still believers into Bitcoin. So it was quite a, what, what, what broke me to, to learn more about it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, were you first more interested in the code and kind of that aspect of it where you were familiar in? Or did some new aspects, like, for example, the economics and the philosophy catch your attention more? Oh, uh, no, 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 not at all philosophy, not, a, not at all um, this. It was more from... So I got different stage where first I discovered it and I saw that people were not disgusted about it and uh, that they were talking about... Oh, it's a, a money that can we cannot censor and so i start trying to learn technically how they were doing that and by learn by learning at the time there was not a lot of uh, lots of way to learn about it so my way of learning very often is actually coding what i try to learn and express it in in c sharp because it, it helped me to to stru structure how i'm thinking about things and uh when i finally uh, so it's all how and bitcoin started my library and bitcoin and um when i when i when i kind of understand it the second after i started asking like why satoshi did this uh i wanted to understand why such kind of money like um what was in the mind of the creator what if it was not for an exist ex scam and it's what brought me to more uh, philosophical uh and economical aspects of uh, libertarianism and uh and uh and austrian economics but it was after the code that I came to this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's often the case, right? When newcomers go into the space, first you try to analyze this crazy thing called Bitcoin in the same context that you're already familiar with, right? That you already know. Yep. Uh, for you, it was coding. For me, it was quite the opposite, uh, economics, right? Uh, I didn't, didn't and still don't look at the Bitcoin source code much. Um, but uh, of course, you know, eventually... Uh, you you made that switch and you got more interested in it. Um, but what on the coding level did you do before? I mean, you so you started writing the N Bitcoin library. Um, uh, and but, but what else? When I started using uh, like learning about Bitcoin, the, my main two source of knowledge were the Bitcoin Core source code and uh, Bitcoin J, uh, that is the the library in Java, and. Uh, Really, what I was doing all the day and for for like months, like maybe three or four months, was like taking the test of Bitcoin Core or Bitcoin J, porting them in C Sharp, then trying to make them pass by implementing. It was really a test first approach, 
And really like for the three or four months, I was doing only this, only this, like trying to, 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 to cover as much ground as I could to explore this, this area, technically speaking. And it, it was about it actually, like doing this library took like so much of my time and it's still taking a lot of my time right now. And lots of people are using it. So I'm very happy about this. Yeah, here's something interesting that Lucas Ontivero said in episode number two of Join the Wasabikas, uh, because he realized also that there was no library in C Sharp out there, no Bitcoin library. Uh, so he started to write his own, uh, until eventually you came around and dropped the behemoth that was in Bitcoin. And, and he realized that, wow, there's so much work done already. Uh, let me, or let's contribute to that instead. Um, but. Uh, it, it seemed to have been really quite a monumental work uh, that you did there. Yeah, like it's. Um, I remember one of the first things I, I remember of Lucas. He was he, he was working on some library that was a uh, for UPnP, and uh, and I and I integrated his library into N Bitcoin, and I so for for a while I keep it, and later he said, oh. I think UPnP will not be useful for Bitcoin. You, you should remove it. So I removed it at this point. But yeah, I remember. And uh, the the and Bitcoin is indeed very massive. And uh, I've been very careful with this library to not write things too much uh, because lots of people are writing on top of it, like writing documentation, writing code, and. Uh, one of the approach I took in development is when I see like people using my stuff, I try to break, to not break as much as possible so that, you know, all these things they're building on top of it keep gaining values. So, and uh, right now, like this library, I don't know how much line of code there is, but yeah, it's, it's quite monumental. I, I also ported, um, secp256k1, that is a C library for, for doing like, for, for doing the, um, the crypto work of Bitcoin. I ported that in C Sharp as well. That is that, that that has been quite monumental as well. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and right now as well, like um, I've been. Uh, I I know I know it's not about a shitcoin podcast, but actually we we uh, and Bitcoin support lots of podcasts because uh sorry lots of shitcoin because. The way I architecture it is, uh, the shitcoiner can integrate themselves and I don't test them at all. So it's kind of a free lunch for me, basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I see. Uh, you know, uh, first a bit of a general question because I'm still not sure about that. What, so why is there a difference between a Bitcoin full node integration, like for example, Bitcoin Core or LibBitcoin or BitNode or whatnot? And a Bitcoin library like nBitcoin or Bitcoin J. Where, where's the difference here? So Bitcoin nodes, um, they, they, are, they are quite limited in the feature they offer. So the, the goal of Bitcoin node is to verify transaction and on that, that's their core function. And on top of this, if you want to build some system, for example, a wallet, uh, you have to pass by this, uh, RPC, uh, so it's kind of an API that you can call on your node to, to do whatever you want. And the problem is that this RPC API is very bad. Uh, so it has lots of legacy things inside it. It very, it very often it breaks. 
so very often there is breaking change. When you want a change to it, it takes forever because like you, you have like one update of Bitcoin node every, I don't know, six months. And even if you want a picture and you develop this picture, you still have to spend lots of energy to get it merged into, into the Bitcoin core source code. So, uh, uh, on my side, at the beginning, I always tried to use Bitcoin Core full node as much as I can, but you, you, you still feel crippled because Bitcoin can do so much more things than what the Bitcoin full node allow you to do. So, uh, that's why, like, people are using, are using, um, a library. So a library gives you way more control. The, with a library, you can actually validate a transaction, but to a certain extent, you can validate some stuff, but not everything. But on top of it, you can recreate your transaction from ground up. And, uh, imagine that you want to do some layer two things, like, uh, like, for example, working on lightning network, lightning network on working on DLCs. This kind of feature will never be coded into Beacon source nodes because the, uh, it's kind of like out of scope. So you still need, you know, those kind of libraries to, to have way more flexibility into what you, you, you can do. Okay, so that's interesting. Um, but just another naive and stupid question from a not developer. But could I use a Bitcoin library to basically write a Bitcoin full node implementation? And when using the library to do that, it would be much easier than writing a full node implementation from scratch. Yeah, so actually it happens. Uh, so there, there is, um, there is, uh, one company that tried to do this. Uh, one, uh, I, I will say one cheat coin, but actually they were doing as well for Bitcoin. So it was a, a Bitcoin full node built on top of NBitcoin. It was to, it, it was called the Stratis Bitcoin full node. So Stratis is a shit coin, but they're, uh, they, they, they were working on making a Bitcoin full node, not Stratis one, Bitcoin full node. And, uh, it's, it's, it's hard, uh, the, because like implementing a full node need to be 100% consensus, uh, following the consensus rules. And there's one error. And if there is a split, then it's, it's a big deal. And so it's lots of effort to be consensus compliance. And as well in Bitcoin, you need lots of performance and syncing with the, the node that did was taking forever. And actually I, I started, I, I am the one that started working on this project and then they took over. Uh, I think they, they, they did lots of work on it, but it's, uh, it, it was still very far from, from reaching the level of Bitcoin core. It's it's very hard to develop a node, and I, by doing it, you kind of appreciate was what the Bitcoin Core developers are doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, Bitcoin Core is now what uh, twelve, thirteen years in development, right? By hundreds of contributors, you know, yeah. uh, with with highest skill and and whatnot, <laughs> to kind of play catch up with that, uh, probably with a small team. Yeah, good luck. And, and so it's not, and it's not only this; it's also the fact that the world around us is built on top of Bitcoin Core. So it's a, like if you, if you search information on how to use Bitcoin Core, you search on Google, you will always find so much documentation, so much question, so much Stack Overflow re replies. But if you create your own node, basically you start from scratch. And if you have one user that tried to use it, then he has only you on a, on a chat to ask you uh, how it works. 
and uh, it's hard to catch up this this amount of uh, of uh, net like uh, how can I say network effect in a sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a developer network effect, right? The concourse, yeah, yeah, definitely. The, the kind of only quote unquote useful full node. Uh, and therefore everyone uses it and therefore it gets worked on much more and that yep. makes it more useful and it's kind of a yep. vicious circle. Mm -hmm. Yep. But do but, you think... Uh, I, I, after you, I also have the problem that if uh, lots of people are developing on it, then it becomes slower and slower, then it can provide opportunity for new nodes. But uh, again, like creating a full node is very unforgiving. It doesn't pay anything. It takes lots of time and it takes lots of risk. So yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's difficult. I, this is a, a bit of a difficult question, but what do you think is more the the more straightforward, the, the superior path to go down? Um, focusing all developer efforts on one full Bitcoin Core implementation, or to split this up and to have different competing or quote unquote competing implementations that kind of specialize in one niche, but of course have to be backwards uh, compatible. I don't know. So uh, on my side. Uh, like, like for Bitcoin, creating a Bitcoin node that are consensus compliant, I think it's way too hard. Uh, if it would be another software, we say, okay, why not different competing software? But at the end of the day, in general, there is only one that win. Uh, so I, I think as far as Bitcoin full node are concerned, I don't think they should have multiple implementations. What, what I'm seeing more, uh, and what I prefer is that developer, uh, because like it's it's happening naturally when, when at the beginning Bitcoin Core, for example, was doing everything at once. It was like uh, I don't I don't remember, but I think uh, like Satoshi tried tried to create a marketplace on it or like a poker game on it. Then you could mine as well with Bitcoin Core. You could you could have your wallets uh, uh, with all your hotkey on Bitcoin Core. Basically, it was a all-in-one software. And as the industry mature, what we're seeing is that all those features that was all in one in the past are become way more and more specialized. So right now, for example, what is a Bitcoin wallet? It's a very hard question to answer. Before it was obvious it was Bitcoin Core. Yeah. That's it. Now Bitcoin wallet, it's like there is a bit, there is a UTXO tracker. A UTXO tracker is a different piece of software than a hardware wallet. And the hardware wallet is a different piece of software than actually the UI wallet that you will use to access your coin. So like right now, for, for example, just for the picture of one wallet, you might be using three or four different Bitcoin software instead of one. And uh, what we're seeing is that instead of having all developers focusing on their effort on, on one software, we, we are seeing all those features that split away from, from the Bitcoin implementation node because I, I think it's natural, you know, like when it becomes bigger and bigger, it's, it's harder and harder to develop on top of it. So it's natural that some other project try to, you know, take some support of this massive blob of functionality and try to implement it better in a way more specialized project. And I think it's more, it's how developers are moving over time, like as, as an industry mature. And I think it's, it's, it's not only true on development. I think it's, uh, it's true in, uh, any technology related, uh, improvements. It's, it's really the special, the special, the, how do you call that? A division of labor. Uh, division, division mm -hmm. of labor. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think that's a very useful approach too. I think it it was definitely not feasible to do this at the early days of Bitcoin. 
Satoshi probably yeah. could not have written a, a complete modularized infrastructure of the entire Bitcoin thing already perfectly split up as we wanted. Uh, that's just, uh, you know, unheard of. Um, but nowadays there, we can really more and more specialize. And it's kind of like the open BSD frame or mindset of do one thing, but do it really, really, really good. Right. And focus yeah. only on that one thing and optimize it as much as possible. And then anyone can use this one tiny program that does exactly like that solves basically one problem and you can use it in a larger architecture. I think that's very interesting. Yeah. yeah it's, um, and I, I, I don't think when you start a project from, from scratch, I think it's very important to not try to modularize too early because when, when things are modular, it will become way more difficult to maintain than it, it, if it's one big blob, at least when you are one developer. But as the program become bigger and bigger, one developer cannot have everything in his mind. And it's where like trying to introduce modularity makes sense. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's what is happening right now. And then with Bitcoin Core, like they try to separate the wallet feature. They already removed the, you know, the mining feature. So like it, it, it's happening. And yeah, it's a, it's natural, it's natural evolution for software. And even for BTCP server, we are trying to move that way. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, BTC Pay Server kind of seems a bit monolithic, right? Uh, it's it's a huge, huge, huge stack. It's super powerful. It can do a bunch of things. Um, but uh, how, how are you happy with that? Or do you think it's time to modularize it more? And where would you modularize so, it? There is different parts of BTC Pay Server. So BTC Pay Server is not only the BTC Pay Server project, but also we have uh, the BTC Pay Server Docker project that is kind of the the way we do for easy for for deploying very easily on our users you know the the btcp server docker is like two line of code and you have your beacon full node your lnd and everything set up uh this btcp server docker has been modular it has been modular since day 1 because from since day 1 for btcp server you already need like at least uh three different piece of software to get it running you need the you need the UTXO tracker, you need the Bitcoin Core, and you need you need the database, and you need BTCP server. So from D1, this BTCP server Docker was kind of modular, and still is today. Like you can you 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 can install so many things with this system that is uh, very easily. And uh, BTCP server itself was not modular, and like uh, last year and this year as well, we did lots of effort to uh, to not make it more modular. But making it possible for people to build things on top of BTCP server without in, having to code it into BTCP server. The way we did this was to, by providing a new API that is called the Greenfield API, which want to expose everything that you can do in the UI. We want to expose it in a, a in a programmatical way. Uh, and we cover more and more of it. We are almost done actually to doing all, all of this. And uh, on top of this, there is a Cooks that is working on a plugin system. Uh, the plugin system myself, I didn't follow that all how it works. Uh, and uh, so by, by these two systems, we try to out, we try to make it possible for the people to build things on top of BTCP without having to, you know, impact the source code. So it saved everybody's time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a very uh, powerful architecture because it enables well first of all you to focus on the really important parts of btc pay right you don't have to uh, 
waste your time or waste the, the main developer effort on some niche case feature right, that some small user group might like. But you can focus on what everyone wants and do that really, really good. Right? Yep. But still enabling others to, well, you know, to contribute freely and uh, just for themselves to write these plugins uh, of whatever feature they desire. And then, of course, to share it with the larger community. I think that kind of bottom-up development uh, approach um, seems to be like quite uh, quite promising. I mean, we see this with, you know, for example, WordPress uh, or Nextcloud have a very advanced plugin system that is has really flourished and has increased the usability of the software tremendously. Yeah, there is also the fact that BTCP is open source software like like WordPress, and it means that we we cannot you know, hire more developers to make it bigger and bigger. So the only way to growth is really to attract developers. And the way to attract it is really by opening the guts of it. And um, what, what, one example that we did, for example, for, for BTCP server last year is to separate completely what is Bitcoin related from what is icon related. And so we we did that very well for example if you only use BT, uh, bitcoin uh for btcp server all code that is shitcoin related is completely is, is not compiled at all so there is no way that one of them you know put a vulnerability and it, it like fucked up your bitcoin uh your 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 bitcoin setup and That's um, great. yeah it's a, it's it's good as well for for you know for for reviewing because on my side like reviewing shitcoin i really don't enjoy it and uh imagine that we have a bug in production I imagine that you you don't use any shitcoin and somehow your btcp server crash and in the stack trust you can see that it's because of a bug in litecoin and mm -hmm. you will be very angry at us you know and, <laughs> and on my side i will be pissed off as well but uh, to myself as well so uh that that's an example of modularity. We managed to, you know, completely separate the shitcoin code, and it means that I don't have to give too much, uh, too much attention to it. And if the shitcoin code like crash your setup and you have other shitcoin, you will be less pissed off than if you are only had Bitcoin. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's really nice. Uh, again, it's somewhat the same of do one thing and do it right, and um, separate all the other aspects so that the users who don't use these niche uh, edge case features. Uh, don't suffer any potential problems from it. Yeah, really good. Yep. Uh, you, you bring up funding and that is, of course, you know, so difficult for free software projects as the code is non-scarce. And well, everyone is free to download it and usually it's gratis as well. Uh, so, but nevertheless, developers are working on it. Developers sacrifice their precious time and their precious money, uh, to, to build this thing. So there's, there's kind of a, a lack here to incentivize the development. Uh, of, of free software, uh, and uh, how did you perceive this um, well risk or this hurdle in the early days of BTC Pay, uh, and how did you uh, solve it, and how is that solution going so now, so far? Well, I, personally, uh, like funding has never really been a problem for me. Uh, so I, I'm working in a digital garage in Japan, and uh, as well for a, a business that is called Metaco in. In, uh, in Switzerland, and uh, both have been quite supportive of my open source contribution. So on my side, I never had to, you know, look for uh, funding specifically because I I I I get enough already. And uh, 
the, the, the problem of funding came when, uh, we noticed that, uh, some contributor, big contributor, like for example, Cooks, that did a lot of work, enormously lots of work on, on BTCP and Rockstar Dev and Pavel Nex as well, uh, and many core contributor like, uh, Brits and many other, uh, sorry, Dennis and everybody. Like, those, Sometimes we saw that those people needed to take some take some shitcoin mission to make some money uh, to to sustain to sustain their work on BTCP server, and it's kind of a situation you don't really want. And and uh, I think it's Rockstar Dev that got the idea of uh, trying to do a foundation to to raise money and uh, to to see how it goes. And uh, that's when we started uh, doing this B B uh, BTCP server foundation, and it uh, it has been way more successful than anticipated. So at the beginning, I was not even sure we will get, uh, you know, one dollar of donation. I was not <laughs> sure at all about it. And it turns out that it has been incredibly well. And, uh, we got lucky last year because like lots of our treasury is in Bitcoin. And as you can, and so we, we profited from the pump as well. And, uh, the, Right now, we're in the situation with a Bitcoin, uh, with a BTCP foundation where we spend money, uh, so we don't spend money fast enough to, to, to catch up the pump. <laughs> so like, it's crazy. Like for, for six months, we, we, we have more money. You know, we have like maybe two times more money, even if we pay people every month than we had six months ago. So it's, it's kind, it's kind of, uh, insane right now. Mm -hmm, so, so mm -hmm. it has been very successful and it allowed like some people to focus on, on, on their work on it. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad of all of our sponsor about it. We, we are very blessed about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you bring up three really good points here, right? So first is basically that individual contributors, uh, get hired by another company who somehow earns money. Uh, and then uh, often they get somewhat of a free reign to develop on free software. Uh, and yep. that's, I, I think that's a really, really, really cool, uh, way to do it already. Um, and kudos that it works out for you. Uh, the, but the second approach is, is basically donations, right? Um, that people who potentially use the software, or at least like that you contribute to it, uh, give you some Bitcoin also without many uh, strings attached, just as a thank you note, uh, so to say. Uh, and of course, this can be done peer to peer directly. Right? I think most of your contributors have their own BTC pay server with public donations uh, somewhere running. Um, but uh, of course, you know, to, to kind of pool it and to also get uh, larger companies uh, to seriously sponsor the project. I do think that something like a foundation or some legal setup uh, with clear definitions uh, might be beneficial. And it's great to hear that this is uh, really going uh, favorable for the, for the project. And then, of course, the third thing is, uh, right, uh, kind of to use your savings, right? You, you have some Bitcoin savings, uh, somewhere, uh, and then you kind of, uh, well, live out of that. Uh, but the issue still is, right? If you, if you consume your savings, you have less and less Bitcoin all the time, right? Because okay. you actually do spend Bitcoin. So your Bitcoin number will go down. Yes. If the purchasing power of Bitcoin goes crazy, then your value might actually have increased. Uh, but if you would not have spent all the Bitcoin, well, your, your value would have been much more, right? Um, yep. but yeah, all, all interesting points, uh, to fund it. It's, it's really nice to hear that this is sustainable for you now. 
Yeah, uh, on my on my side, I'm still time to time a bit uh, a bit uh, distracted by uh, e- either MetaCore or, or DG DigiLab time to time. But it's uh, mo- most of my time it's really concentrated to BTC Pay server. And uh, right right now, like the people that are uh, receiving funding are really focused on BTC Pay server. So it, it, it will not have been possible without those without this legal structure for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, we try. We tried at the beginning, you know, to just keep it peer to peer and like receiving donation. Uh, we received. It's it's good, but like no way, you, you cannot yeah. live out of this. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's it's already difficult for one person to live off that, right? But then to organize an entire team of actually high quality developers, I think the thing is yeah. they have an opportunity cost, right? You probably yeah, yeah. have hundreds of job offers from really interesting projects that would love to work with you, right? So if you just go buy by a couple sats per month via donations, well, you're going to look at these other projects uh, with quite big eyes. Yeah. Well, maybe to to swing the conversation uh, to a bit different direction here in the finishing uh, lines of it. Have you been interested in privacy in cyberspace before you got into Bitcoin? Or is this another thing that you got curious about afterwards? Uh, it's also something that I got curious afterward. Um like i was not paying too much attention to it and it's really like i I got into so in the past in 2011 i failed my first company we were trying to do uh, some um, iot products and uh by we we failed after one year like uh, we at one point we could not pay our bill it was not a lot it was 1000 euro of bill that we could not pay you know it was not a Mm. huge deal and uh like my, my my name was basically flagged at the national level so when i tried to reopen a business it was very difficult to open a bank account oh wow and uh, and uh, it's kind of i didn't understand you know i didn't uh, understand the problem is privacy you know i don't i didn't understand that the problem is that those people are always sharing information like this and and like and uh, it, this information will come back to you in a negative way. So I never thought too much about privacy in this aspect. But it's when I discovered Bitcoin, uh, you know, that I, saw, I, I, I could see like several things in my life where I say, okay, if they didn't know, they could not have come to me and they could, they could have, they would have let me in peace. So it, it's kind of, yeah, I think it's kind of Bitcoin as well that made me a bit more sensitive to it. Mm-hmm, very interesting. Um, but you see, it's, it's funny that, uh, with you also, um, you know, censorship basically was the reason why you got curious about privacy. Right? someone told you, no, you cannot have a bank account. Uh, sorry very much. You're like, but, but why? Right. <laughs> um, well, yeah. because you have not been private because that person knew, uh, know about your previous uh, business histories. And for whatever reason, he thought that, well, you don't deserve the bank account. Um, yeah, but, uh, that's, that's funny because. It was, it was, uh, so on top of this humiliation where they were refusing me, uh, so in France, you're, you need a bank account to pay your taxes anyway, you know, you cannot do without, which means that there is a law to force them to take you. And so you need to try seven banks. I got rejected by seven banks. Then you get a paper and you go to the Bank of France and Bank of France will pick one of them and force them to have you as a customer. And what happened, uh, I remember it was, a uh, basically they told me, you have access to no service. We give you this debit card, but this debit card is almost never accepted on internet or nowhere. And if you want to transfer money, you need to come 
to the branch office every single time. So I remember it was a kind of like a re revenge for having chosen, choose them to, 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 to be their customer. It was mm -hmm. quite a, yeah, I, I was quite pissed off about banks from this day on. And it's true that uh, Bitcoin kind of resonated with me on this side. Yeah, very much. So, uh, I, I guess uh, you first made, uh, banks obsolete, uh, before making BitPay <laughs> obsolete. <laughs> yeah. It's on me, Satoshi. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So from the conversation with Lucas, um, he mentioned that while you were, or so he started contributing to N Bitcoin. Um, and then uh, you found out about Tumblebit. Um, so can you speak a bit about your history with that project and your experience of it? Yeah. So Tumblebit is, uh, so I was very interested into what, uh, Ethan Elman did on Tumblebit. I was interested into the math going to it, but I, I, I'm not really a mathematician, but I like using what those smart people are doing. So I did what I, what I'm <laughs> doing best is when I want to understand something, I try to code it in C sharp. And like when I manage to code it, then I, I have a better understanding of it. And, um, I, I, I started, I developed it until it was done and, and usable. But, uh, we, the main block that we had, uh, with Tumblebit is that you need the Tumblr to have a sort, uh, an amount of liquidity inside of it, which means that there is a risk, uh, for, for the liquidity provider. So it was, uh, and like, if there is nobody that, that is, you know, that come as a liquidity provider, then you cannot, you know, it's a, you, it's a chicken and eggs problem. You know, those liquidity provider want to put liquidity if there is people, but people want to come on if there is enough liquidity and enough people, you know, using it. So, uh, it, it, it's kind of why never, it never go, goes off. There, there was, there has been as well Stratis again. Uh, so they, they were on their wallet. They, so they have, they had a nice GUI wallet for Bitcoin. And inside of their interface, they developed a, a client, a GUI client for Tumblebits. And they spent lots of time with this. And, uh, actually they funded part of my work on, on, uh, on, uh, Tumblebits. And they, they provided tons of tons of feedback and help, uh, on, on Tumblebits. And, uh, I, I think it never got off anywhere because nobody wanted to be, take the risk of being the, the Tumblr, right? And actually, I, I, I was very ashamed of it. They, they, I, there was a bug in my code that ho luckily nobody put no big Tumblr put lots of money onto it, but there was a, a very bad bug in my code. And, um, yeah, that, but the main, the main reason it didn't start it was really no Tumblr would take the risk and also the legal risk of doing it. Yeah. Two or multiple in interesting things here. Uh, for one, privacy likes company, right? Uh, so the more people are in the crowd, uh, the more indistinguishable you are, uh, and the higher your privacy. That's the anonymity set. And then, uh, that is also part of the Tumblebit security and privacy model. Uh, the more users there are, the more difficult it is to correlate any payment of the user. So, of course, in the early days, right, there were no users. So the first user who came didn't get any privacy. Um, that's the, the first kind of, uh, network effect, uh, that makes it difficult to bootstrap, uh, Tumblebit. Um, and the other thing is, is that someone needs to put money into a payment channel. 
Uh, it's a bit similar to Lightning Network, actually, uh, but not decentralized in the sense that everyone can open a channel to anyone, but it's a client-server relationship where the client, the user, opens a channel uh, to the um, to the payment hub, to the Tumblebit provider, uh, one yep. central party as far as I understand it. Yep, yep. And yeah, like you said as well, there is way more transaction on chain to do this because you need those this uh, this channel set up. Yeah, yeah. This is one of the things that Adam mentioned. What he did not like about Tumblebit, or why he actually then started to work on coin joins, uh, was because they are uh, non-atomic, um, or uh, no, no, I shouldn't say non-atomic, but they're not within one transaction. Um, yeah, right. So there, 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 there was several issue with it, but. One is on the UX side. Uh, in Tumblebit, the user should not disconnect at a certain moment or he will risk losing his money. So it's, uh, it's kind of pretty bad. Uh, but the, yes. the nice thing I like uh, with uh, Tumblebit was that, uh, contrary to, uh, like, um, zero link. Actually, zero link is not zero link. Uh, you, you have one huge, uh, coin joint transaction on the middle. Uh, that connect all those inputs with all the output. You cannot correct which input go to which output, but you, you, you can see there is a link, right? The nice thing with Tumblebit is that there was no, no link. Like the transaction in and out were completely decorrelated. Mm -hmm. So I think it's pretty interesting because most of the, uh, chain analysis software are using, are, are creating a graph from the graph from the transaction themselves. But if in the graph there is no link between two transactions, it's way harder for them to, 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 to make any good guess. Mm -hmm. Yes. This is a, a similar argument Chris Belcher brings up for uh, coin swaps, uh, as they have the, op the possibility to be indistinguishable from quote unquote regular Bitcoin transaction. Um, uh, and that is very different to a coin join. Uh, a coin join is usually very easy to fingerprint. Um, and, uh, therefore, uh, you know, specifically in the Wasabi context, it is quite easy for an outside party to find out all the coin joins that Wasabi have done. Um, rather easy, actually. While with Tumblebits or coin swaps or Lightning Network, it's actually quite difficult to find out the total volume, all the transactions that were done with this Tumblebit server. Well, yeah, yeah, yes and no. So the, the, the problem is that even in Tumblebits, the, the transaction were kind of obvious in the sense that they happen at a specific time all at once and they were multi-sig. And so you, you could, you, you could not have like, like Wasabi Wallet where you have 100% sure that this one is a, is a coin join, but you, you, you could, have high probability of, of guessing right because in Tom, I, I, in double bit, I was imagining like, uh, uh, I, I was imagining that lot, there, there was lots of different tumblers and all the tumblers were like can syn synchronize with all uh, on a specific cycle. So at one block specifically, like all transactions, uh, of, of tumble bit will happen. So it, it will, it, it's not as much obvious as, as coin join, but it, it, it was still, you, you could still see it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it was not, uh, not even perfect on this aspect. Like, Taproot will solve this problem. 
Taproot does solve quite a lot of things, indeed. Uh, I'm I'm curious because both you and Adam were working on Tumblebiz, and then Adam realized some of the shortcomings of it and started to do his research and implementation of Zero Link and Hidden Wallet and Wasabi Wallet. I, of course, you were in, in, involved to some extent uh, in in the early project, but to what extent was that, and and why not more? Why why did you do your own project specifically BTC Pay, uh, and and not uh, help Adam out? Uh, I, so at the time, like Adam was working on uh, hidden wallets. Uh, it was before before Wasabi wallets. So I didn't help that much actually, like. I helped him like when he was using in Bitcoin or to try to, you know, build a transaction or things like this. But I didn't help him that much. Uh, and, uh, I mean, he, he did his, uh, hidden wallet things. I, I thought that it was, uh, I thought it was a good idea, but on my side, I was on, already on, on, uh, and tumble bits. And, uh, I, I knew that it would involve lots of work for him to pull out this. And, uh, he kind of stayed, you know, stayed focused on this objective. It, it took, I think it took him like one year and a half before he came out with Wasabi Wallet. But for one year and a half, he was working on this hidden wallet. And, uh, he, he really focused for a long time. On, on my side, when he started doing it, I, I knew that it would take lots of work. I was not sure if we, he, he, Adam would have such uh, stamina to 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 do it for the long run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it for sure is a behemoth project, and I think that was somewhat obvious even back then. Uh, but but yeah, I'm very happy that Adam did stick through uh, and did have the stamina to pull it off, uh, because well, we have Wasabi thanks to that. Yeah, and there there was also another point that that was uh, a bit scary for me on the on for for Conjoin was it was the legal impacts of it. Like being a tumbler, if you are in the wrong jurisdiction, can get you in lots of trouble. And, uh, I think, I think Nopala saw that quite early and he took the right decision to take the right people with him in the project. And I, I think it took serious ball. I will never have the ball of doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, I mean, the benefit of, of the coin drawing coordinator is that at least it's non-custodial, right? So it cannot run away with the money of users. It cannot steal money from the users. Yep. Right, that's that's a big win in the legal battle as well. Right? Uh, anything custodial will be regulated to the ground, absolutely, and probably even non-custodial things as well. Uh, but hopefully a bit later. Uh, but but yes, that's for sure uh, quite a, a but, big. But the the point is that regulated is to always uh, like in which jurisdiction. If you are you know, if you are incorporated in the right jurisdiction, you don't have to give a shit to this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. All uh, many nuances to it here. Um, you you did make another uh, quite substantial uh, contribution to the Bitcoin privacy space, specifically with uh, well, kind of revising and reformalizing uh, the PayJoin um, protocol. Uh, can you speak a bit more about why you did that? Yeah. So PayJoin actually it was started by um, I think it, it's so it's Cooks that worked on it first. And I, I don't remember. I think he was as well founded by some, somebody else. I don't remember who. Maybe it was Blockstream. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was uh, Blockstream. Uh, maybe, but I, 
anyway, I was working on it. And uh, when I reviewed the code, I saw it was kind of complicated and lots of flow and it was not properly formalized. And the, the thing with PageJoin is that you need to formalize it in a way that several implementation can implement it then by themselves quite easily without uh, obvious problems. And uh, it took me a long time uh, to try to change the code of Cooks into something that is uh, better from a, from a specific implication point of view. And actually, it was way harder than I expected. Uh, and uh, it's... So when I reviewed the code, the first code that we did was full of bugs. There was corner case that, you know, that was not treated correctly. There was lots of corner case that was treated correctly, but that involved like kind of complex code. And I was not confident in this state that anybody else but us would implement it if it was that difficult. So yeah, it, it took me a, a long time to formalize it in a simple way. And, and I, I'm happy that many people contributed to the, to the Bitcoin improvement proposal that I did on, on PayJoin. It really helped making it, uh, making the protocol easier. And, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's about it. It, it took so, I th yeah, I, th I don't. I don't remember how much time it took, but yeah, it took me a while to to, mm -hmm. to get it done. Yeah, and, and I remember that you know initially when PageJoin was discovered in, in that research meeting, um, it 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 was it was cool, it was nice, but there were for a long time there was no implementation. There was this bit buster pay, uh, and some wallet implemented it, uh, but it was really not much used. Uh, and then Cook started the BTC Pay implementation and, and you uh, did a great job finishing that up and providing an updated bit um, with a very clean specification. But ever since then, I mean, Wasabi Wallet implants it, Join Market does, Blue Wallet, Blockstream Green, probably a bunch of other wallets that I'm forgetting now. Uh, so really, thanks to your effort here, this this gave another push uh, to make PayJoin a reality on the network. Yeah, but even the creator of Bustapay helped us a lot uh, in the specification. He got great, great inputs. And uh, I don't remember what was the problem exactly of Bustapay, actually. It's, it's, I, I, I don't have enough in mind, but I think it was not flexible enough. Uh -huh. So I, I, I really wanted that PageRun to be flexible, uh, but simple. The, the reason is that if you are, if you are too strict about the inputs, it means that it's very easy to have a kind of certain fingerprints about PayJoin. Uh, but when it's flexible enough, it means that your way, you know, every transaction in the network has some kind of plausible deniability that, oh, this is not a real transfer, it's a PayJoin. And it fuck, fuck things up way more, uh, for, for, uh, for analysts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and again, because it's difficult to fingerprint the PayJoin, just the just that there is a possibility that some wallets and some users of wallets use PayJoin is a great improvement to Bitcoin privacy for everyone. Uh, so that's why, again, I think that uh, your kind of final push to get PayJoin to where it is now was quite substantial, uh, because this means that well, after the BIP was released, or at least the first wallets implemented it, it degrades the quality of chain surveillance uh, quite a lot. Uh, so I'm, I'm very happy about that, and thanks for that uh, that contribution. Uh, I think we still need to to do something to push it more because right now in BitSpace server, you, the merchant need to check a certain case, uh, you know, a certain checkbox. 
I, I I'm not sure how we can. I, I'm sure there is a way that we can improve this, uh, improve the sup like the the support of it. But I I'm not sure yet how we can do it. Mm -hmm. uh, oh yeah, one question here. Uh, because for PageOn, you need to have the private keys on a internet connected device always on, specifically your BTC Pay server, um, because you need to sign the transaction that you're receiving. It's a similar case with Lightning Network. In Lightning Network, you also need to have a hot wallet, private keys connected to the internet on your server. But as far as I understood it, in BTC Pay, you cannot pay join with the Lightning Network wallet and its on-chain part. But you do need to have a separate wallet, new private keys, um, that is that does the pay join in the Bitcoin wallet section. Uh, why is that? Uh, why, why we are not using just the uh, like the Lightning wallet? Hot wallet, mm -hmm. you mean? Mm -hmm. So the the reason so the reason why we need a hot wallet is pretty clear. Like when you're doing coin join, you need to to sign. Uh, but the the reason uh, the reason why we don't use the same wallet as the internal Lightning network is that it's uh, most of the time software that that are created on top of Bitcoin have this they assume they they this assumption that the wallet is only used by them. Mm -hmm. And if you start using it with a separate piece of software, then you enter into lots of problems. So for, uh, the obvious problem, for example, is, uh, is the gap limit issue. Right? You, you, you know about the gap limit. It's, uh, when you generate, imagine like 30 invoice on BTCP server and nobody paid those invoice and the 31 you get paid. Then, if there is several software looking this wallet, some software will not see some of the payments. So it's a, it's kind of very UX issue, and the way to solve this issue is by having a separate wallet. And uh, you you can you you can share the same wallet if you want. If you have the seed, you know you can probably share between them. But you need to be technical enough to debug things if uh, shit hits the fan, basically. Mm -hmm. Yes. A specific question for this. Could I easily import the private keys of my Bitcoin wallet, not the Lightning part, but the Bitcoin wallet in a BTC Pay server and put it into uh, a Wasabi wallet to then do coin joins? So Wasabi coin joins uh, with the same private keys that are also on the server? Or do you think that that already makes it difficult? So with Bitcoin Core, no. The simple reason is that Bitcoin Core, when it's deriving address, they are doing something that nobody does. Uh, and uh, they're deriving on the past zero prime, zero prime. And mm -hmm. this means that if you derive this on zero prime, zero prime, you need the private key to derive this path. And also nobody is doing it. So it means that nobody... So one of the bad things in Bitcoin is BIP32. Uh, so those HG wallets... So the specification is very bad because all wallets are doing slightly different stuff. And Bitcoin has been the first one to, to use HG wallets. And it did things a certain way. And the software after did another way. And now they cannot change their direction without breaking a bunch of stuff. So you cannot share with Bitcoin Core. You, you can probably sh share. I, I know that in the latest version of Bitcoin Core, you have, you, you can have a read-only wallet. But it's really like the, the last version that it appeared before it was not possible. 
Uh, now you can have a read-only wallet. Maybe you can you can at least have a read-only view of your wallet on Bitcoin Core. Uh, oh, right now it's possible you can share your wallet between Wasabi Wallet and and uh, BTC Pay Server. It would work, but there is no guarantee that you will not have this gap limit issue that we talked about. And uh, one of the bad things of this gap gap limit issue might be that Wasabi Wallet don't see some of your UTXO, and because Wasabi Wallet don't see some of your UTXO, it start doing like some. Uh, uh, address re reuse that is very bad. So it's, uh, it's possible, but I will not say it's advised. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, I'm, I'm super eager. Like I'm, I'm fantasizing in my head, uh, to get Wabi Sabi coin joins somehow into BTC pay server integrated, uh, because that will, uh, will hopefully, uh, solve some of that issue. But that would just be so cool combining pay joins. Inside Wabi Sabi coin join in a always on, uh, server environment. Um, yeah, that just gives me wet dreams at night. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, so the, the, the difficult, I think the most difficult part in crypto is not so much the code, uh, but the user interface. Uh, how do you, how to do such a thing with, by maintaining a user experience? That does not confuse people that are less tech savvy. It's, uh, it's very difficult. So, if like like I have I have no doubt that doing that is possible. But yeah, or, or in the UX, it should looks like it's a difficult part. Yeah, yeah. UX is challenging. Coordination challenging. Implementation, of course, quite getting quite complex. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of work to do. Uh, that is that is for sure. It's but, not going to uh, be boring. I'm sure, like that, the code is actually not the hard part. It's really the user experience that is difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or are you actually involved with the current des uh, design of the UX of BTC Pay Server? And can you tell us a bit uh, of something new that's going on here? Yeah. So on my side, I'm not too much implicated uh, on it. It's more the work of of uh, Destruct and uh, Dennis Reman. And, uh, a bunch of other designer and UX helper and as well, uh, Pavanex is a, a bit chilling on it. Uh, but like the, the main driver of it is Dennis Rayman and Destruct. And, uh, right now they are working on improving the, uh, you, you know, when you start BTCP server, you need to create a wallet. So you can, you can just put your XPUB, uh, read a new view of your wallet, or you can just have a, you know, private key, or you can plug your hardware wallet directly. And the current UX is quite a confusing for new users. So they, they, they are really doing a fantastic job of making it more easy. And the ne next release, it will be, it will be in. Oh, that's very good yeah. to hear. Uh, and they did lots of things like, for example, the notification. So the notification, the code was implemented by, uh, by Rockstar Dev, but like the UX has been improved by Destruct and, and Dennis Reman. And like, if you, if you checked in the new version, the, the store settings, you will see that right now it looks way, way more better than before. But we, we always have to, you know, take small step every time and we should not try to break everything because so much people, you know, so much documentation, so much video has been made of it. So we cannot just depreciate, you know, uh, everything at once. And the code, the code base is also pretty big. So you cannot break everything at once. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's always the art and to, uh, to remove the stuff that is not really useful, to add the good stuff that is useful, uh, but in the meantime, don't break all the stuff that actually works. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, so Nicholas, we already talked about uh, quite a lot of interesting things here with you. Um, but I'm curious, do you have any further uh, topic that you would like to bring up? Anything that we're desperately missing here? Oh, yeah, this week I will, um, I will, uh, well, when you will publish this video, I guess it will be past, but I will make a, I have a video actually in, uh, in, in the pipes about how, uh, GLC are working. And I think it will be, I, I don't know if you have a specific question on GLC. Oh. We can go on on this. Yes. It's, uh, it's something I've, I, I put lots of effort, uh, like last year and also like this month, I, I created lots of material for it that I will soon present. Yeah. The DLCs are absolutely fascinating. And right. That was one of the rabbit holes that I actually wanted to open up here in this conversation. Good that you remind me. What makes DLCs more useful than current technology that we have? Okay. So right now, if you wanted to make a bet with somebody, an obvious way of doing that is that you make a two by three signature. People put money on this two by three multi multi sig together, and then if the the bet happen and like if there is a dispute between the two peer, then they can go they they can ask the oracle to sign the transaction. Okay, yeah, because the uh, the not the oracle, I mean the escrow. You know, there is a kind of arbitrary, if there is some kind of dispute, they can use this two by three setup. Yeah. So one, two users have two keys and the third key is owned by this arbitration person, uh, who handles conflicts. Yep. That, that's, that's an easy way. Uh, but it has several kind of issue. Uh, one issue is that this arbitrator can cheat. And if it happens, it there, there is no, there is no repercussion about this. You know, there is no, like, no way to prove it easily. Another way is that the oracle, this arbitrator, need a server because it need to create a key for the two peer to to share, and um, for for the third key. And then when when they want to settle the transaction, they need to be online to to send the money to one peer or another. And it's pretty bad because it means that if you are a breacher, you need a server, which is not easy. And also there is the legal implication that if, uh, you are one of the parties to buy three, then they might have legal repercussion because, you know, you are signing the transaction. Okay. So it's a, it's maybe not a big deal, but there is no precedent on it. So you, it's a, it's a, it can make a case. Mm -hmm. And, but uh, let me add one one more potential downside is that the the uh, oracle or the um, the arbitrator n knows about the transaction, right? He yeah. he sees um, potentially his public key in the script, and he knows that he is that these two people are actually using him as an arbitrator. Yes, and yeah, as you said, the, the last issue in Zinedine that he knows that the bet is going on between those two persons. So DLC is trying to t tackle all those problems at once. When you are an Oracle with DLC, you don't actually need a server. You just need to broadcast a result somewhere. It can be on your, you know, on your Twitter page, like I did with my bet with Chris about the election. You know, the Oracle is re-broadcasting a result. It's not signing anything. So it means that anybody that trusts this Oracle can use the oracle without contacting him. 
and and the oracle don't have to spend any money because it doesn't have any you know it doesn't have to broadcast any transaction so it's very cheap to be an oracle but on top of this there is a kind of pro a way that if the oracle try to cheat uh for example imagine that you have a bet and the oracle try to sign two different outcome of the same bet then what will happen is that uh this oracle will have leaked his key his, his private keys and so if he leak his private keys then anybody can sign anything as if they were the oracle which is pretty bad so there is kind of that fruit proof backed into it and um another thing that is cool is that so it's using adapter it's using ecdsa adapter signature but a cool thing that you can do with this is for UX, we still need to figure out for UX, but the nice thing is that you can aggregate several Oracle betting on something in one single key. So imagine that you don't trust one Oracle, but you, you trust like five of them, of them. Then with the other peer you're, you're in, you can aggregate those five keys together and use the result of those five oracle or, or uh yeah of those five oracles some threshold of those five oracles to 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 have the the result of your bets which is pretty cool and by a, a similar way that i will present in my in my next video you can also sign you know not only discrete outcome like you know like uh who win democrat or republican but also you can sign a range a, a number in inside the range so it means that it becomes possible to to make some derivative out of this oracle, uh, and uh, I think that's very powerful because that's basically the the stock market without the market on the uh, without the exchange on the middle. So it's uh, it's pretty cool, and uh, I I will present in my next video. I think I will release it like a Wednesday or or Thursday in my next video. I will explain the the. The high-level view of how it works without going into the math, but it's very smart and it's it's very it's easy to understand once you you put it in certain way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I really fell in love with that concept of adapter signatures and what it enables. Um, but I'm I'm surprised that you got all of these features, specifically the aggregated adapter signature, even with ECDSA, but the current signature scheme that Bitcoin uses. Uh, yes. What are the challenges with that, and and how would Taproot and Schnorr signatures make it easier? Okay, so, so we are using ECD uh, so for DLC we are using uh, ECDSA adapter signature. So an adapter signature, very quickly, it's similar to an encrypted signature. So when Alice is signing, she's encrypting it with the pub uh, 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 public key. That so the public key, for example, is the oracle that knows the private key of this public key. So she encrypts this signature. Bob can verify that this encrypted signature is indeed signing the transaction that he's expecting to, but he cannot know what is beyond. And when the Oracle is like revealing the, the outcome of the bet, he reveals the private key of this adapter signature. So you can decrypt it. And, uh, and, and from this, you can, when you decrypted it, you have an ECDSS signature. But the nice thing is that this the the key that you are using for encrypting or decrypting, it's not using ECDSA at all. Like it's 
plain old EC, uh, EC uh, like black magic because even me, I don't really understand the, the black magic behind <laughs> it. But it means that you can do all those key, cool stuff of key aggregation without too much trouble. And, uh, as far as, as far as, uh, as Taproot is concerned, so, I know that we stab, uh, we, we stab proved we have strong signature, which means that we can do, uh, um, adapter signature in a way more easy way. And frankly, I, I, I try to ask to some cryptographer what's the big deal, what's the big difference with, between that and what we already have in DLCs. As far as I understood, it's only speed. And speed is actually a bit of a problem. Uh, so when you, when, when an oracle is signing a specific number, uh, into a range, actually, um, when, when Alice and Bob are negotiating the DLC, they need to exchange a lot of signature between them and they need to check it and it's taking lots of time. Uh, and I think that it's improving this situation, but I, I cannot say for sure because I'm not really the, the expert on this, on this matter. Yeah. There, there, there is two points that Taproot, there is another point that, that Taproot in, improve in the protocol is that SegWit has a problem, uh, in, in those kind of protocol where, uh, the other party can lie to you by saying that one UTXO is SegWit, uh, SegWit UTXO while it's not. And if he lied to you, it means that he can kind of invalidate all the contracts easily and the way you can the only way that you can prevent this kind of attack is by providing the transaction of the previous transaction of this utxo uh, but the problem is that when some wallet don't have the previous transaction and the reason why some wallet don't have the previous transaction is because when you're restoring a wallet for example on btcp server you can restore a wallet but we restore the wallet from the utxo set of the bitcoin core full node and the UTXO set don't have transaction information. So it means that it's, uh, it's a bit more difficult with a prune node to, to, to make those sort of protocols and tap roots of this. Ah, uh-huh, very interesting. I did not know about that last point, but, but yes, Schnorr signatures are simpler. Like the math formula is simpler and therefore easier to understand conceptually. And I would guess easier to implement and easier to review. Uh, so these are probably uh, also noteworthy improvements. Uh, and out of that results a faster speed in computating these adapter signatures and doing all this magic uh, all the time and in the background and efficiently. But but yeah, then that you, that you can actually lie to someone and potentially steal money um, when you don't know if it's a sequo transaction or not, uh, that's that's quite bad. And there, there is also cool things about taproots.com uh, is that in taproots, if both parties of the transaction are cooperative, there uh, the the footprints of the transaction on chain uh, will will be indistinguishable with all other taproot outputs. So it means that nobody right now without taproot, Alice and Bob are inside the DLC. Nobody can say that it's a DLC, but they can see that it's a multi-sig involved. But with taproot, mm-hmm. nobody can see that it's even a multi-sig. That is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and that again improves privacy, not just for those using uh, adapter signatures, but in fact for everyone, right? because anyone might be using adapter signatures and do some craziness like a discrete lock contract or um, like these Oracle conditions or even swaps, atomic swaps. 
so there there's a lot of privacy potential improvement here. It, I, I really it took me a while to understand adaptive signature, but yeah, it's it's really great uh, concept. Another thing, yeah, maybe you abort this topic on conswap, but uh, a way that you can use conswap. Is, so those adapter signatures, the nice thing is that when somebody decrypts an adapter signature, he also, and, and publish the, the decrypted signature, he also reveal at the same time a private key. And it means that you can use that for, uh, for example, doing a coin swap. And so it means that there is no hash that are on the blockchain and like you have two, you have the exchange of coins are completely decorrelated between each other, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of potential here in the future. I'm really looking forward to it. So are you planning to implement some discrete lock contract magic in BTC Pay? Uh, so I, I, de I, I developed this uh, console tool so it's a console tooling that you can use very easily that is called NDLC. Uh, we integrate it into the BTCP server Docker deployment, which means that to, to use it, it's actually a two line of, uh, two, two line of command line and you can start using it and play with it. I made a video. Actually, I already made a video of a demo where I'm playing with it. So right now you can already use it in command line. Uh, as far as integrating into BTCP server, it's not clear because it's not clear how useful it is for merchants right now. So it means that not as part, I, I don't see it as a core of BTCP server feature, but maybe as a plugin, either as a plugin or as a separate project rather than a core BTCP server, because I don't see the, how it can be of any use to merchants right now. Uh, and also the, the second reason is that even if at DLC are possible, uh, technically possible right now, it's still un the the user experience is still complicated, and it's way more complicated to to think about the user experience when you need to integrate inside an already existing product than it is from starting from scratch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, I don't see it directly into BTCP server, but maybe as a either as a plugin or as a different service inside inside the BTCP server Docker deployment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, here again, we see how, how useful uh, the plugin feature of BTC Pay is going to be. Because, you know, small edge case things like this, where you don't really know if anyone's going to use it at all. Well, for sure, you're not going to put it into the big BTC Pay, but why not a plugin, right? If people want to use yep. it, they can opt in. Uh, that's a cool architecture indeed. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I'm also struggling to find some default use cases for merchants to use uh, the, the DLCs. Well, I mean, like there, there is one that is possible, but same thing. It's a, it's a UX will be too hard uh, for me, I think. But theoretically, merchant can use DLC to hedge against the volatility of Bitcoin. So yeah. DLC because you can bet on a price. It means that you can, you can, you can make a bet on how Bitcoin would go down to protect yourself against volatility. But even if it's possible, I don't see merchants using it because most merchants, first, most merchants are very unsophisticated Bitcoiners. You know, they, they just, they, they just want to sell their products. You know, because be, being full-time Bitcoiners is not, is not their matter. And ever if they were full-time Bitcoiners, I think it would take lots of time and lots of faith to try this kind of new UX 
and it will take lots of effort to try to develop this kind of UX. So even if it's possible to help them theoretically, uh, I think practically speaking, it's way too far. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I would guess might be uh, true. Well, but we will see. I'm sure that in two weeks, uh, you will have cranked out a beautiful implementation with, uh, with pretty UX. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I suck at UX, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, Nicholas, that was a phenomenal conversation. I enjoyed this quite a lot. Uh, thank you very much uh, for coming on. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, so any the famous last words uh, that you would like to leave uh, for the Wasabikas who've joined us here? Uh, what, what, what Wasabikas in general? It's uh, people that contribute to Wasabi? Um... Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what it means. <laughs> I, 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 I know that I'm like a black belt or something like this in Wasabi. Yes. <laughs> so I say, yeah, I mean, like, always, con like, to Wasabi Kazi, if it's contributor to Wasabi Wallet, I hope you all, all continue to contribute to it. Like, it's a phenomenal project as well. And, uh, yeah, just, just keep having fun, you know, like, it's, uh, we, we are all developing those, you know, open source software, like Wasabi are, have maybe a way to make money out of it, but it's way more interesting. The most important thing that I think is having fun doing it. So just keep mm -hmm. having fun and keep contributing to Bitcoin. But hopefully Wasabi Wallet, it's, it's, uh, it's one of, I think the best, one of the best project that we help. I say one of the best because the best is BTC server, of course. Obviously. But obviously. But uh, yes, as a second best, it's uh, it's uh, <laughs> you should continue. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, um, continuously striving to overtake BTC Pay as as the most breathtaking project. But you got such <laughs> a head start. Uh, <laughs> I don't I mean, know, like uh, in in terms of light, in terms of Tor on GitHub, like uh, I think uh, what's the way it's catching up. Ah, uh, yeah, that's actually true. Um, <laughs> I think we're getting at sixty five developers of the codebase or something. Um, but BTC Pay, yeah, I imagine, has over a hundred. Yeah, and in starts as well. Like uh, in starts, I think like we have like maybe two hundred difference right now, or something like this. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, um, I, I need to work harder. <laughs> <laughs> yes, write more, better code, faster. Now. <laughs> I will start contributing to. Uh, I will close source the code of N Bitcoin, so Wasabi cannot use it. Oh shit. <laughs> 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 then we will just write a Wasabi plugin to BTC Pay and use it that way. <laughs> Checkmate. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, Nicholas, that was a bunch of fun. Uh, hey, thanks so very much. Not just for coming here on the podcast, that was a, a tiny task, uh, but uh, for, for all the monumental work that you've done over these years in Bitcoin. Uh, seriously, yeah. I mean, if you if you count all the developers using NBitcoin, uh, all the the users of the software that ha is backed by NBitcoin, and of course, BTC Pay server, Man, you have impacted the lives of um, probably millions. Uh, so this is really <laughs> something to be proud of. Um, congratulations very much. Thanks. Uh, you're a hero of the struggle in Bitcoin, and I'm happy <laughs> to have you by my side here. Uh, thanks a lot for this.